Welcome everyone to the Simon Dan podcast. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us again. We're episode twenty seven. I remember saying ages ago I'm going to stop saying the episodes, but I'm still saying them. Uh, it's episode twenty seven. Um, it's it's something slightly different tonight. We haven't got a guest. We have got obviously the main man himself joining me again. The immovable object that is my co-host, the unstoppable force that is cats. How you doing, mate? You're right. Oh, what a jingle! Yes, I'm absolutely fantastic. What a what a good couple of weeks it's been, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's been all right, isn't it? So I was going to say Euros, the Euros. I mean, all of our American listeners right now are like, oh, what, what, what's he even talking about? Uh, it's coming home, mate, isn't it? It's coming well, home. You know what? We are getting stronger and stronger yeah. as the tournament goes on. You know, yeah. and that's all you can ask for. Um, not, not con- are we the only team ever to go the first five games without conceding? Uh, we are in the Euros. Uh, apparently, in Italia ninety, Italy did it in the World Cup for the first five. Right. Um, right. Uh, but I mean, back then, Italy were an absolute unit, weren't they, defensively? So, mm. uh, but yeah, I think we are in the Euros. The first. It's, it's, uh, although so I didn't. I, I'm holding my hands up. Honestly, I haven't doubted Southgate. And in my opinion, he had a free shot at this Euros after what he did at the World Cup. World Cup. Yeah, I think whatever you know to get us to our first semi-final in what nearly thirty years. Yeah, uh, World Cup was was brilliant. You know, really, really good. I wasn't expecting this. I, I, I'll be honest. I was expecting. Well, I don't know what I was expecting, but to to actually be growing in confidence as a tournament goes on is a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's game, and, and I quite like the defense. I mean, everyone banged on about the defensive side of it, but every other tournament we've played, we've gone attacking, we've gone one up, and then I had our pants pulled down and we've lost. So I yeah. think, I think it's a good, good tactics how he's playing at the moment. Very good. Well, I, I did, I did read somewhere that there was a breakdown of the analysis. You know, taking past champions from the World Cup and the Euros, and kind of analysing you know, and categorising their approach to matches and the sort of pragmatic defensive grinding away style seems to have been the the most successful one so yeah. whether he's deliberately modeled it on that i don't know because we have got some possibly quite attacking talent as well yeah yeah uh people people tuning in now to a science podcast uh and we're banging <laughs> but i'll tell you what though if you if you really delve into tactics there's a science in that isn't there in the tactics of football wasn't it um Oh, oh, my brain has got the umbrella guy. Doesn't like orange. Uh, Graham Taylor. Oh, yeah. Wasn't Graham Taylor the, one of the first, if not the first, to actually get statistician, uh, statisticians, statisticians involved? My yeah. word. Uh, <laughs> to get those ones to actually analyse how how most goals were scored, what, what created yeah. uh, the best opportunities. And that's where the whole long ball came from because it just turned out that that's where most goals were scored yeah that's Sam Allardyce obviously have been uh, reading about that because that's his entire career isn't it <laughs> he does it well though yeah. he was brilliant for yeah. Blackman he but, was yeah, yeah no anyway yeah so yeah, hopefully hopefully fingers crossed so by the time this podcast comes out we, we would have known the winners of Italy Spain uh, and tonight will be England uh, Denmark so fingers crossed we'll get mm. to the final Sunday and uh, we'll see what happens maybe next week we'll be uh, we'll be celebrating at the start of the the podcast who that knows will be lovely who knows uh anyway quick quick shout out to the uh if, if those of you who listen and don't watch the podcast youtube channel so the simon down podcast has also had its own channel it's just past six thousand subscribers yay well done uh it, i'll leave a link in the description if you do listen and you haven't and subscribed yet please do because uh, every week we'll have normally have a couple of clips from the episode uh visual so we record our, ourselves doing the podcast and on a monday the full podcast is out on the YouTube channel and it's all visual as well. So um, 
uh, and if 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 there's been any visuals, so for example, when we did the moon, uh, the moon landing denier episode, I put all of his pictures on the YouTube uh, video so we could see what we were talking about. So it's quite good on that on that front. We also put the uh, the conspiracy chart up as well when we did that episode. So uh, it's it's slightly different to the the audio. So if you want to check it out, please do. Link will be in the description uh, to that podcast channel. Uh, so yeah, six thousand subscribers. It's growing. We're doing well. So, buddy. Buddy, I don't know if you, I mean, you might have been catching up with my channel, but the last couple of months I've put out a couple of, uh, of vaccine videos. The first one I did was uh, talking about what is actually in a vaccine, just in general. Uh, so all the different bits and pieces that make up a vaccine, dispelled a few of the myths with that. And the second one I did, I specialised in the COVID vaccines. And I spoke specifically about uh, what the different types were, uh, how they work, and also again dispelled some of those uh, myths as well. The silly ones like the chips and stuff like that, and and the magnetic arm. We've seen all that, haven't we? Uh, but it appears from the reaction to that that there is still some doubts around this COVID vaccine. Um, I'm just going to read off some figures, some stats that we know. So to year to at, at this moment in time, there's a shade under 185 million cases worldwide positive cases now we're writing saying there aren't we that we could probably put that number closer to half a billion because one in one in three two, two in three don't necessarily show symptoms do they Absolutely. And there'll be people who got it early in the pandemic who yeah. weren't sure what it was, you know, who just got it, got over it and didn't get tested. Yeah? Exactly. So so whilst there's 195 million confirmed positive cases, there is a huge amount more which wouldn't have shown symptoms than those that have contracted it earlier. Mm. There's We're about 3,000 away from 4 million deaths worldwide. Um, that's a massive number, 4 million deaths. Uh, I mean, it has slowed, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. Um I pulled up some fantastic data actually on on the vaccines. So as of this moment, 24.2% of the world's population has had at least one dose of a COVID vaccine. I think that's incredible. Almost 25% of the whole population of the world. One in five. Is that just adults or is that including kids as well? Uh, I think it's uh, 18 and over. So it's 3.2 billion doses have been administered globally. That is a massive global effort, isn't it? It's, you know, it's that incredible. Is absolutely incredible. Absolutely super. I just cannot believe the the response. Uh, in terms of the share, Canada, us and Israel have had the most in terms of the percentage share of their population. Hmm. Um, in terms of vaccines. Uh, another really interesting uh, chart which I saw was the vaccine hesitancy. So obviously we've talked about... Um, the people that are, that are hesitant to get the vaccine for whatever reason. When the vaccines first came out, I'm just going to find it quickly. Uh, here we go. When the vaccines first came out in December of last year, uh, almost 20% of the uh, world population were unvaccinated and not willing to get vaccinated. So there was a 20% amount of people that didn't want to get vaccinated and there was an additional about 15 percent who were who were uncertain about getting vaccinated so we're talking about 35 percent mm. as of may the 31st the people that are not willing to get vaccinated is now close to 10 percent and the people that are not sure is now close to five percent so i think that's a fantastic 
uh, stat as well, the fact that we've all pretty much half the people that are not willing to get vaccinated and who are uncertain. I think that's brilliant. And, and what do you think the reason for that is? Do you think people have been coerced into doing that because they think, you know, there's some sort of vaccine passport coming in? Or do you think that the misinformation has, has just been broken down enough for them to show more trust? I think so. I, I mean, there's definitely been a lot more of that. But I mean, in ter yeah. terms of real world stuff, I know someone who was unsure about getting the vaccine. Now, they're not an anti-vaxxer. They're not mm. a, a conspiracy person. They were just a bit unsure because... Uh, they, they were maybe worried about how quickly it came out and stuff like that. And then this person's uh, s sister and her husband both contracted COVID and ended up being on uh, ventilators. And I think that was enough to to make this person get the vaccine because they didn't want to end up in that position. I think it, some people don't take it seriously until it actually hits their world, do they? Well, that's it. And when, when anything's closer to home, you know, it's it's close to heart, isn't it? And you, you yeah. are going to act on it. And um, I was going to say, you reminded me of something to say that, um, oh God, it's gone. It came in and it came out. It's great. It'll come back in a second. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> another stat I, I saw, this is widely publicized in the US over the last couple of days. 99.5% uh, of the people that have died from COVID in the last six months in the US were unvaccinated. 99.5% of, of all deaths from COVID in the last six months were unvaccinated. I mean, that says a huge amount, doesn't it, for the vaccine's success? Well, that's it. And there are always going to be people out there who, who are on that fringe of uh, science denial who are going to claim that vaccines don't do anything, etc. But, you know, the data the data just speaks for itself, doesn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's US data. Now, in terms of UK over here, so NS NHS England figures... Uh, on the 20th of December, there were 1,094 people who had COVID on a mechanically uh, ventilated bed. So over 1,000 people in the UK who were needing ventilation assistance because they had COVID. As of the 3rd of June in the UK, there were only 124 people uh, needing ventilation. Now, again, a majority of those are unvaccinated as well. So this, yeah. all the data is pointing to success in terms of the vaccine it's hard to disagree with that isn't it well i say it's, it's absolutely black and white i mean the only the only possible way you could disagree with it is just pure denial and yeah. we know that there are people out there that think like that you know and and will just deny it no matter what but um i think it's a great statistic and i remember going on a on a, a speed awareness course once because i was a bit naughty i went a bit oh. too fast on a on a road i've done that and the, <laughs> <laughs> they were so boring. One of the questions we got asked was somebody said that um, out of all the accidents that, that cause fate, uh, fatalities now, uh, it's something like a staggering 97, 98% are due to human error. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I remember being one of the only people who just put a hand up and said, well, that's actually a good thing. Yeah. Because what that means is that the cars are- Doing its job. Yeah. They're not failing on us. They're reliable. Yeah, it's, it's the human error. We're not, we're not adding to those. Um, with faulty cars it's a, a similar thing with the vaccine I've heard people say oh all these people in hospital are unvaccinated it's it's their fault they deserve it and I, I, I disagree with that completely it's just yeah. clearly a case that the vaccines are working so those who are left are those yet to be vaccinated yeah, they, and, could, they could have been 18 um, and, and yet to take up the vaccine yeah there could be it could be any reason uh, that reminds me of a classic GCSE question with the the uh, thinking time and stopping time for physics Oh the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the like that is an absolute banker, isn't it? Like what? 
what could what could affect your your stopping distance? That's like the easiest marks going, isn't it? I used to love those questions. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. He's Sorry, kid, you used to love them. It's a banker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So as we as we know, there's a couple of type. There's two different types of vaccine, isn't there? Uh, I mean, the main ones that we in this country, uh, I think in in the states as well. So we've got obviously the AstraZeneca. Uh, we've got the mm-hmm. Pfizer and we've got the Moderna. The Pfizer and the Moderna, the RNA vaccines, aren't they? And the AstraZeneca, the more common type of, of vaccine. The DNA, isn't it? AstraZeneca, yeah. yeah. So the RNA ones, they are they work by um, putting the RNA into the cell and, the, and then the, that RNA can, can produce the spike protein. Is that right, isn't it? Yeah, so they'll put the mRNA, and I think they, they deliver it with uh, an oil droplet, don't they? Um, yes. That fuses with them, and then yeah, the mRNA will allow a protein to be to be made, which is part of a, a spike protein. I believe it's not not even the the, the whole thing. Okay. Um, and then the mRNA, which is something I want to address because I've seen a few people on Twitter saying, "Well, that mRNA, that genetic material in your cell." Um, is is somehow contaminating your own genetics. It's somehow going to cause lasting damage. And, you know, you, your cells are full of mRNA all the time. Yeah. It's And then it's broken down very quickly all the time. That's why the mRNA vaccines have such a, a short a shelf life and need to be frozen because it gets broken down all the time. Yeah. And also um, it doesn't work backwards, does it? The RNA cannot manipulate the DNA. It's the DNA no. that, that does the, it, well, it's only one one track, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a brilliant, you know, because I before all this happened, I really didn't know a great deal about vaccines. When we teach it at school, no. you know, we we often teach the inject a weakened pathogen, um, yeah. or a dead pathogen, or something that that kind of vaccine. And the whole mRNA vaccine, because <clears throat> I only heard about that through you know the whole COVID and the research. I think it's absolute genius, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's incredible. I've recently read about um, they're also. Uh, Pfizer are also doing some cancer uh, vaccines in the same method with the with the mRNA. Um, and what what's really useful is, uh, say for example, there is a, a, a strain that we can't. It, it looks like from all the data that the, de- the Delta strain, the Indian variant, uh, is being managed by the vaccines. Um, but if there was a, a variant that was possibly a little bit harder to for the vaccines to deal with with the with the mRNA, it's it's as simple, isn't it, as, as taking out one piece of the, the code, putting in another piece of the code that matches the new variant, and then we've got a brand new vaccine that can that can boost people. Well, absolutely. I mean, they've, they've obviously, the, the setup, the infrastructure now is there to set up to produce nucleotide sequences and the yeah. delivery mechanisms exactly how they want it now. And, I mean, I'm no biochemist. I was actually speaking to a biochemist today. I'll tell you about that another time. But uh, he was just talking me through just how simple and easy it is to create these nucleotide yeah. sequences. It's not a, not a problem at all, is it? Yeah, not at all. And and as we were we talked with as we were talking with Craig last week, uh, I mean the coronavirus isn't a virus that we've never seen before. It's it, it's been well known to to spread a, a, amongst humans for decades with uh, yeah. SARS and MERS and and obviously there's a few that are quite um, almost like a common cold, isn't it? That some of them it's not really mm. they're not very dangerous at all. So we knew well, it's a variant, isn't it? It's yeah. a variant. Of, yeah. You know, it's, it's not, and, and that's where a lot of these people who are very anti or so at least suspicious about the vaccines, uh, at least or the diseases. How how can you create something so quickly? And I know you want to talk about the trials process later on, but um, it's not as if we're starting from scratch. No, 
No, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, the the the, the Pfizer and the Moderna, they're they're the mRNA ones, aren't they? Uh, that do that. Mm-hmm. So the the Oxford AstraZeneca one, that's that's more traditional, isn't it? How how does that how does that one work? Well, that's they use a, a virus, don't they, as the delivery mechanism for that and. I believe it's a virus that usually infects chimps that humans aren't really used to. So when that virus is put into our body, there isn't an, an automatic response to uh, to wreck it before it can deliver that to ourselves. But that, that delivers DNA straight. Well, the virus will invade our cells and then send the DNA into our nucleus, wherein it is then trans, um, transcribed into mRNA. And, and, it does the the, and then it does the same, same. job the same job as yeah. the Pfizer after that, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, but it's the DNA. Oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say it's slight different mechanisms of delivery, but the, the effect after that is the same, isn't it? With the, the mRNA producing. The process is the same. I think, I think from what I've read, they go with the DNA cause it's a lot more stable than, than mRNA. You can actually just keep it in the fridge. It doesn't degrade yeah. like mRNA does. So it's a longer shelf life, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the only, the only problem with that is it'll be, it's more difficult, isn't it? To uh, keep up with the variants with that sort of a vaccine. With the, with the right. So it's, it'll take longer to, yeah. Yeah. To manipulate. Um, in terms of the figures, there doesn't seem to be too much difference in the in the uh, efficiency of those two vaccines, the two different types, is there? I know the Pfizer and the AstraZeneca are quite. I think they're in the ni- mid nineties, aren't they? For after two mm. after two vaccines, um. So so they're they're both as efficient each as other, but they work differently. But there's nothing to worry about, is there? In terms of the fact there's two different ones, I, I don't think. I mean, I know that's what that's probably a more rational worry for people i think economically as well i know astrazeneca have come out and said they're not taking profit from this and yeah i mean the the vaccines are far 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 cheaper aren't they um yeah yeah and in terms of how they were i I read about this earlier because obviously we're talking about uh, vaccines so i thought i'd better do some reading up (laughs) uh maybe you've heard this maybe you haven't but are you aware of the um the when they were testing the astrazeneca that in America they gave people two full doses, you know, that set distance apart. Yeah, and I think it was like a sixty odd percent efficiency rate to start with. But in the in the UK, the first dose they gave people was just half a dose, right? And then the second dose was a full dose, and then that yielded like the over ninety percent efficiency rate. And I'm, I'm I don't know why. Is that something you've heard of I've from not, your videos? I've, I've not seen that. No. No. Yeah, I don't know why the difference would be though. And I've been looking all day to try and find out why that will be the case. And I haven't, I haven't found an answer. Odd. Very odd. Um, yeah, but let's touch on that speed thing then. So that, cause that, I think that is from what I can tell, one of the most rational fears from the general population is how quickly that it was produced. Now, obviously we've said mm-hmm. that it's not a new, it's not a new virus. We've known of the virus before. We've, a lot of research has been done into coronavirus vaccines already. Um, but the difference being we've got a virus which has, well, I said it at the beginning, 185 million cases and 4 million deaths. It's a, it's a, it became a real issue very quickly, didn't it? Well, inventions born out of necessity, exactly. et cetera, you know, exactly. is what they say. And, but, but also these vaccinations, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, the people are forgetting that there is emergency legislation to sort of like fast track yeah. vaccinations. And when we we were talking about the uh, 
AstraZeneca one a minute ago only having in some tests like a 62% efficiency rating, that that kind of efficiency rating wouldn't wouldn't pass a normal no. vaccine sheet. You know, it would have to go go through and, and have that increase, but it's enough to pass as an emergency vaccine yeah. uh, in this situation. So it's not that it's any more dangerous or anything like that. It's just, you know, we, we need it now. Let's get it out. 62% is better than nothing. Let's get going. Yeah. You know, and, and thankfully they're higher than that now anyway, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, th- I mean, do you think there was a lot of pressure from world governments, uh, the, the WHO, <laughs> in terms of getting that vaccine out for, from all these companies? I think there's been a, an awful lot of pride and showmanship because mm. I, mean, I know when Trump was in power, it was it was often you know the virus that we've sorry the virus the vaccine that we've managed to create and yeah. we're going to lead the world with it. And I know the UK obviously have have, have been ahead of everybody else because of Brexit etc. And Boris Johnson's been very quick to yeah praise everybody for that. So I think I think there's a certain amount of governments patting themselves on the back and oh, yeah. making a big song and dance, but. Um, you know, I think the companies who are making it, uh, you know, they're, they're just making it for the right reasons, aren't they? You know, just yeah. wherever it goes, it's going to absolutely stop um, the chain. Uh, tradi- like traditionally, if if uh, if you're waiting for a vaccine to be approved, there's there's so many steps, and you might have to wait for a long time, or you might have to get, wait for a grant or funding, or uh, there's multiple multiple steps where you might have to get back some information, and uh, <laughs> someone might be dragging their feet with that information or whatever, and it takes years and years and years. But there would have been, there would have been none of that with this. These vaccines yeah. would there would have been probably a bottomless pit of money, and everyone on the top of their game trying to get this thing out as quickly as possible. Absolutely, you know, so many minds, so many nations, you know, so much focus on on it, and and so many of the barriers removed as well. You know, not having to get it absolutely perfect in terms of its efficiency rate and etc. Realizing that it's an emergency vaccine and. Um, but but that doesn't mean that they've cut corners on safety at all. No. I mean, there was at the very beginning, uh, again, with the AstraZeneca, the, the two cases, I think, was it in the UK, um, of blood clots that they weren't sure was associated with the vaccine or not, and it turned out it wasn't. Yeah. Um, you know, but they're not, they're not pulling, uh, put, uh, cutting corners on that kind of thing. It's, it's, other, it's other barriers that are removed. You know, it's not, not a safety issue. Yeah. So let's let's talk a bit actually about the the trial and and uh, and the approval process. It makes sense to move to move to that after if we're talking about the speed of the vaccine. So initially, you're when you're when you're trialing a vaccine, you're testing for I think I've got this right a, any sort of toxicity or some or things like that, aren't you? For the fir- that's the first mm-hmm. thing you're you're testing, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, and I think well the and. You know that there are, from my understanding, to help keep the you know whatever you've got in the vaccine, the active ingredients if you like the mRNA, to help keep those stable and from degrading. There is inevitably going to be things that you have to put into the vaccine that may, in large doses, for example, cause significant side effects, etc. Yeah. Um, but they're not. You know, people people often talk about mercury in vaccines, don't yeah. they, etc. And you, there's there's a fraction of mercury in a vaccine compared to what you get in a tin of tuna you know so although they're there you've got to keep it realistic but it's you know you might you might as well say you're you've got you're you're ingesting chlorine when you have salt it's just you can't you can't (laughs) it's it's that sort of levels isn't it it's you know it's not it's 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 
they, they, there's so many different. Oh, what was the other one I heard? Um, um, lithium, I think, was one I heard. Uh, possibly, I can't, I can't remember now. There was, there's loads of there's, you know, there's loads of people out there spreading loads of stuff about it. So yeah, they deal they, they deal with the toxicity. Then they deal with the uh, side effects next, isn't it? And then the, and after the, and that, they do, sorry. Sorry, mate. I was going to say it's side effects, and then it's the efficiency. The, the efficiency after that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I said the, the side effects are tracked. There is there is a a, a board a, like a body that that keep track of exactly what the side effects are, and and you know they monitor that really, really, really closely, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and there would have been this would have been in terms of the numbers, pr- pretty much the same as a normal vaccine trial, wouldn't it? I believe so. I mean, how many, how many was it? Were we in the realm of nearly 50,000 people had been exposed to the vaccine before it was yeah, approved? I was going to say that there was <laughs> enough people around to, uh, to, to try it on who, who were infected. Uh, there wouldn't, there wouldn't have been, obviously they would have trialed it on, on non-infected as well. Um, but it's just, it, I, I can understand why this would be a rational fear for people that, if you don't know much about vaccines, you don't know much about the approval process, you don't know much about the trials, you're worried about how quick it's come through. I can forgive that sort of hesitancy, couldn't you? Oh, definitely. You know, if someone said to me tomorrow, um, you know, I take my car to the garage and they say, listen, we're going to, we're going to fit this brand new braking system. Uh, we developed it in about three months. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's brand new. It's not been in any of the car before. I'd, I'd be thinking, oh, hang on, you know. And so I get it. I totally and utterly, utterly get it because when all you know is this vaccine's come out really quickly, then that's all you know and that's all you're going to base your judgment on. Yeah. Um, but but it isn't. You know, they weren't starting from scratch. It's uh, and they were open and honest. You know, they were yeah. open and honest that the the, the efficiency of this vaccine. You know, it isn't as high. It's not going to guarantee anything, but it's it's a way to put some stumbling blocks in that transmission chain, which yeah. is what was needed. Yeah, absolutely. And now I think uh, I think what they said is, uh, with the vaccinations and the people who have gained natural immunity from the virus, I think we're at something. I think it was over ninety percent immunity now. Uh, for, for the the that's what they've included people with only a one dose in that as well have some sort of immunity in the in the country adult population. And that is, yeah. like you say, going to be a massive stumbling block uh, for for the virus. Well, it protects even those people who haven't been vaccinated, you know. And good, you know, good. I want everyone to be protected, but the, in, an inevitable consequence of that will be the people who walk around and like, I I refuse the vaccine. The the virus isn't real. I've never had it, you know. And yeah. it's their ignorance of the people around them and the behaviour of the people around them has shielded them from that. Yeah. Um, and I think it speaks as well with the fact, I mean, I mean, the cases have gone up in the UK slightly, haven't they? Up to around 20,000 20, mm. again. But the deaths and the hospital admissions have not followed that same spike. Well, I'd imagine, and again, you probably looked at the data a bit more closely than me, but I'd imagine that that's because the people who are who are getting the cases now are those who've been last on the list for vaccines and yeah. not the the vulnerable or the old age and the more willing, you know, more able to fight it yeah, off, aren't they? Exactly right. 18 to 29s are the largest group uh, of case numbers at the moment. And they are obviously, as you say, right. the last group, uh, the last mm-hmm. adult population anyway. I know they've they've started talking about over 13s, haven't they? Uh, yes. As well. Yeah. 
Um, okay, all right. We'll have a quick break, and then we'll we'll start getting onto the serious stuff with the with these uh, these COVID these COVID vaccine deniers. Um, it's Cat's curiosity, mate. You got anything good for us? Um, well, we'll say good. I do have something for you. Okay. Um, now this is going to be one of those things where I mention it, and I just know from the bottom of my heart that everybody listening is going to be like, "Yeah, I know that. How did you not know it?" <laughs> but I genuinely didn't know this till today. And when I've googled it, it is everywhere on the internet, everywhere on YouTube. I was like, "How has that passed me by?" Never know. But this is the point where you go, "Yeah, I've heard it." But did you know that we've recently had a eighth continent classified? Do you know what? I I did and I didn't. So I saw a really quick headline, scanned it, did something else, completely forgot about reading it. So I kind of heard of it, but I haven't looked into the details. Ah, oh, okay. That's a good sitting on the fence halfway. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Makes it feel a little bit better. <laughs> so <laughs> the story stories kind of starts in 1642 with a guy called Abel Tasman, who was um, a little bit of a... Uh, maybe a story for another video is a little bit of a loose cannon but he was an explorer and he wanted to to kind of like sail the world and he looked at the the globe and he thought that the world was a little bit top heavy you know if you look at all the continents on sure. the on the northern hemisphere yeah. compared to the bottom it was like there must be you know it couldn't have formed like that actually there must be another large continent somewhere in the southern hemisphere we don't know so he sailed the world and he ended up in new zealand and he didn't find it um but it turns out that New Zealand is part of it. And the new continent that has been um, been now officially named new continent is called Zealandia, um, which I don't know, is that, is that that name familiar to you, Zealandia? It doesn't. Are, you, are, you, are, they, are they lumping all the Pacific Islands into this? Uh, I'm not sure exactly how far it extends, but essentially it was part of the supercontinent, which was uh, Gondwana. Yeah. Um, when and then, as it broke away from that, it didn't kind of break very cleanly. It sort of stretched a little bit, become less buoyant, and it and it sank. And now there's only really New Zealand and a couple of little islands that are poking the head above water. Um, and it's kind of been known for a time that there's there's this bit of crust there that's a little bit different to the oceanic crust around it right. and it's geographically isolated by like a four kilometer long trough um but in uh, 2017 so we're looking back four years now again i'm a bit slow on things <laughs> they they matched up everything they knew about the continent with the criteria for something to be a continent and it passed okay so do you know any of the criteria for being a continent i don't actually no neither, neither did i um you have to be a landmass that is significantly taller than the oceanic crust around you. Okay. You have to be a landmass that contains a broad variety of different rocks. So you must have sedimentary igneous and uh, metamorphic, whereas the oceanic crust is mainly just igneous rock. Yeah. Um, you have to have quite a significant um, uh, area. Now, although Zealandia isn't as big as other continents it's still twice as big as what would be classed as like a, a minor continent right um and oh my word i don't, oh yeah your depth as well continents are around about five to seven times deeper than continental crust and they are also um uh oh was it less dense or more dense than the crust around them i've forgotten i had all this committed to memory but there's five criteria anyway uh, a scientific paper showed that it did it did pass that criteria. So there is another continent under the ground. Wow! Uh, and that's now official. Well, wow. Under the ground, under there the sea. And, and New Zealand are pretty much the main constituents of that continent. 
They are. One of the, one of the reasons people kind of oppose them being a, being a continent is because there's so little of that landmass above the water. Yeah. But the geologists who wrote the paper kind of said, well, look, you know, if you take the water away, we define a continent by the land mass yeah. and how it compares to the crust around it. And it, it passes all those well, features. I'm sure, so it's been a long battle. Yeah, I'm sure the New Zealanders won't be too worried about having to uh, step away from Australia in terms of being in the same <laughs> continent. <laughs> That, no, I'm sure. Surely, I wonder. I wonder if like it'll ever get recognised in like you know another ring on the Olympics. But there's only five on the Olympics anyway, isn't there? Why is there only five? Yeah, there is only five. Uh, well, you can, you can take Antarctica, but which is the other one you wouldn't you wouldn't include? Hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe that's another one for a bit of trivia next week. Yeah. All right, we'll look that up. Uh, thanks, mate. That was interesting. I did, I did, as I say, I did see it, but I didn't read about it. So, uh, and as a lot of people know, I love my countries. Um, I can recite every country in the world. Wow. You know that that yeah. is good going. And How many I, are there? Well, 197. Uh, but with, there's a few grey areas on what who recognises what, you know, the Palestine-Israel thing. Um, but I can also name, I can also identify every flag from every country in the world as well. That's how sad I am. So, I'm going, mate. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Let's crack on. So... Um, the side effects the side effects so um in, here in the uk they've stopped under 40s having the astrazeneca uh astrazeneca vaccine and that is not necessarily because they cause clots but there is a, a minute risk that they could and they're reducing the risk for the p- people under 40 because they are less affected by yeah. covid aren't they um yeah. and like with everything, there's going to be side effects, isn't there? With any sort of vaccine, any sort of medicine, any sort of, of drug, there is side effects. Anything at all. And the way we teach it at schools, when um, mainly features when we talk about x-rays, etc. But yeah, you've got that risk versus reward. Nobody wants to bombard themselves with, with radiation and an x-ray. Nobody wants to do it. However, if you've got a broken leg and it needs to be fixed, then... You know, you, you look at the risk, you look at the reward, and, and it needs to be done. And it's the same with, yes, of course, anything like that is going to offer some sort of risk, but you compare that to the reward, and, and the risk is so slim, isn't it? I think I I read it was somewhere between 1 in 60,000 and 1 in 100,000, wasn't it, of a, of a yeah. minor blood clot? Yeah, and and if you actually look at the, the figures for just getting a blood clot in, in normal life without having taken anything, they're quite similar, aren't they, those statistics? Hmm. Um, so it is a, such a minor, minor yeah. uh, increase, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And um, I mean, that we're just talking here about purely the AstraZeneca. I, I don't know of anything major from the, the mRNA vaccines. Uh, I, I've heard a little bit or read a little bit about um, the, uh, what was it? It's about the enlarged, enlarged heart or something like that among athletes. Oh, um, right. Okay. No, that's and I mean, as you know, I am a, very keen runner um but as you say risk for reward the reward for me is greater than the risk i i run 40 miles a week i didn't i was due to run 15 miles the day after i had my first vaccination with Pfizer. i didn't simply because i was worried about if i if i felt rough or something after yeah the jab so i only run six miles instead and did the 15 miles the day after <laughs> uh 
is, what we're talking about here is the, like you just identified it there. You're expecting to feel a little bit rough after yeah. you've had a vaccine because, and we know why. You know, when we talk about side effects, we're talking about those minor, 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 minor short-term uh, risks of clots. Yeah. But the the the, the anti-vax and the conspiracists, every time someone says, "Oh, I had a vaccine and had a vaccination, and I felt a bit rough the next day." To them, that oh, that's the big side yeah. that's making you well, and they don't understand that is the immune response. Exactly, yeah, and and that immune response is sometimes greater after the second one, isn't it? Because obviously your body is already has those um, has those antigens to to protect you, so it, it, there is sometimes a, a, a greater response, isn't there? And you feel a bit worse after the second one. Yeah, you, you, you're more prime. Your your, your uh, memory cells are there. Like I say, you, it's a much faster faster immune response, isn't it? It's, it's much more uh, intense. Um, again, which is why why these vaccine vaccinations are given in two doses. It's it's yeah. to mimic. You know, it, I think my my wife had the vaccine, um, and I think I remember telling you this just on WhatsApp. Yeah. She had the vaccine a few weeks ago, and she was awfully rough for the next day um, because it wasn't too long before that she'd actually had COVID, and and obviously her immune system was still primed for that exactly. response. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, to me, it within reason, it doesn't really matter what those side effects are, as long as they are extremely small risk. I mean, it's it'd be ridiculous to say, for example, they they did the vaccine and said, "Well, I mean, sorry, but there's a fifty percent chance of whatever." Then that risk is way too great. Yeah, isn't it? So for me, it doesn't really matter because I know there's going to be side effects to these sorts of things. There's side effects to having paracetamol. Uh, there's side mm. effects to having Nurofen or, or whatever. I know that's going to be the case, but the reward of taking this vaccine, not just for you, but for the country as a whole, is far greater than any risk to me. Yeah, it, it is such a tiny risk, but we know what the conspiracy-minded are, are like, the... If that you know, as long as somebody says there is a small risk, that is what they jump on. You know, they don't step back and see the big picture. And like I said, it could be any. There's there's a risk to eating a a, a tin of tuna with mercury, having yeah. a hamburger, cooking bacon, yeah. things that they do all the time. You know, having a drink of lager, having a having a, a cigarette or, or whatever, um, bring far more yeah. risk. There's a risk of eat the first time eating nuts. That's a risk. Absolutely. You, you know, you never know, do you? Um. But I want to talk a little bit about this yellow card system because I know a lot of the uh, conspiratorial people with the vaccines, they they lean on this quite heavily, don't they, the yellow card system. But we need to just clarify that this yellow card system is something where the general population can go onto this website, with the government website, and they can put in any sort of side effect that they want which isn't necessarily caused by the vaccine but which they suspect could have been or which appeared after getting the vaccine but there's no mm -hmm. there's no link to the there's no definitive link is there from these yellow card uh inputs to the vaccine no like i mean you just told me a while ago 22 percent of the world's population or adult population have been vaccinated if you look at the millions and millions of people you know in britain alone the millions of people who've been vaccinated without the vaccine without anything else how many of those are going to get ill at some point yeah how many of those are going to feel a bit rough you know of course we're dealing with huge huge numbers people are going to experience that no matter what um and and there'll be a lot of that on there but the government are looking you know they're analyzing data they're looking for patterns and trends aren't they so yeah. an individual putting whatever they feel on a particular day 
isn't a statement, you know, it's a statement if it's part of a larger pattern and trend. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this, the figures for this, because I'm not sure if I've looked, but I know the yellow card, the, 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 you always see them rolling out this this image, don't you, of 1,200 deaths caused by vaccine on the yellow card system. Now, again, we're not. there's nothing to confirm that these deaths are related to the vaccine. Do you know the actual fit? Is it something like six or something, the, the actual figures for deaths caused by the vaccine? I'm not, yeah, I'm not familiar uh, with what it actually is. Obviously, the the thousand or, or that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, um, there's no evidence at all for anything like that. I'm not no. sure exactly what it is though. Is it as low as six? Um, it's quite low. I mean, that as with anything, like we were talking about, there is a risk. Um, you could have an, a, an adverse reaction, an allergic reaction to, to something in the vaccine, which could be enough to to, to kill these people. Um, but it is very, very small. The official number is extremely small. It might be more than six now, but uh, in the UK anyway, and it might only be for one vaccine, but it's certainly not over a thousand. Certainly mm. not. Um, and it's, it's tragic when things like that happen, you know, especially for people trying to do the right thing. It is tragic. Like I say, the, the, these people are obviously predisposed uh, with, yeah. you know, something. And um, no, it, it, it is very sad, but... Um, and I hate to play the numbers game. You know, I hate I hate to do it, but actually, how many lives is the vaccine going to save? Yeah. You know? Well, I think officially, uh, the government have said that tw- twenty seven thousand lives have been saved so far because of the vaccine program. Mm. Um, and bearing in mind that the UK is currently on um, one hundred twenty eight thousand deaths, a majority of which happened over the winter, didn't they? With the, with the big spike in the winter, twenty seven thousand saved because of the vaccine program. Well, you're talking thirty, well, twenty odd percent, aren't you, of that figure? It's, it's uh, when you when you think about it in terms of those numbers, it is quite staggering, isn't it? It is quite, uh, yeah, quite staggering. Yeah. So this I mean, ye- this yellow card system, I don't think it should be taken with a pinch of salt, shouldn't it? In terms of you, we can't we can't take that as red as being the, the problems with the vaccines can we oh god not at all no um like i said there's no there's if people in such a large sample group are going to get ill and if that if that happens to be around at the time they got the the, the vaccine they're going to put it on the system aren't they um but it, it's you you've got to trust the the way the data is being analysed and I say the patterns and trends that emerge from it and if those patterns and trends aren't there then it's good enough for me yeah absolutely um I've just had a quick a quick look so forty five million people have had the first dose in the UK and thirty three million have had the second dose um even if that one thousand deaths was true that is still an extremely small percentage. Uh, from 78 million doses. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah even if it is true, small. which we know it's not, but even if it is true, it's still an incredibly small uh, percentage. Um, and as you say, it's sad. It's sad when that sort of thing happens, but um, as we say, any drug can cause any sort of allergic reaction uh, yeah. for anyone. Um, one of the biggest things that I got off the back of these videos is people arguing about long-term side effects i mean 
I know that the trial process, even once the the drug, uh, even once the vaccine has been approved, there's still like a phase four where we're, we're looking at the reactions and we're looking at the um, at the cases of, of vaccines and what's happened in terms of the reactions to them. Do you, how are we classing these long term side effects? Because it's been seven, eight months now, isn't it? Mm. Do you mean how are they officially being classed, or how yeah. are we just how are they officially being classed? Ah, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> so it's, how I mean, is that? <laughs> I mean, it's difficult though because it's been eight months, and there hasn't been a there hasn't been a, a disaster, has there? It's not. But we we if if something was going to go wrong, really badly. It would have happened by now after eight months, wouldn't it? And that's it. And you see people around Twitter, um, you know, who are who are denying still the pandemic ever existed. And, you know, they'll come out with comments like, Well, you know, you just hurry up and get your virus and you'll be you'll be dead soon enough. Uh, your vaccine, sorry, and you'll be dead soon enough because of it, etc. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we are, like I said, at the point where seventy odd million doses of vaccine have been given out to people. Where are all the people suffering because of it? And- where is the harm? Exactly. And what did I say at the beginning? How many people worldwide have been vaccinated now? Three, 22%, you said? Three billion. Three billion, well. Wow. Uh, uh, three, 3.22 billion doses. 3.22 billion doses hmm. have been administered. And I think it's fair to say if there were some real long-term effects, we would have seen that by now, wouldn't we? Yeah, off three, absolutely. Off 3.22 billion doses. I think somebody would have noticed. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'd all know somebody, you know, we all know... Uh, I'm sure multiple people now who've had the vaccine. Yeah, uh, and how many people out there actually know people who uh, who, who are suffering horrendous long term? I've not heard of anybody. And we want to talk about long term effects. We're completely in this conversation, not talking about those people that are suffering with long COVID at all, because there's there's some real people struggling with long COVID, isn't there? Yeah, I, I know somebody who, uh, you know, key musician, king guitarist, um, king yeah. footballer. And you know can't can't stand to be in a place where there's any loud noise at the minute because it, it kicks in like really bad headaches and uh, oh you just if they do any kind of exertion any kind of exercise it, it's uh, extreme lethargy for the next two or three days wipes them out they've got to be in bed and this is this is seven or eight months after they've had COVID they're really wow. really suffering yeah and that's that is very that's quite common isn't it mm. we're, we're seeing this yeah. we're seeing this a lot so not only are we not seeing long-term side effects from vaccines if we're not having these vaccines more people are going to have long-term side effects from mm. covid uh i think that's fair absolutely fair to yeah. say um well mate listen we've 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 covered as much as we can um i have a video coming out next week now i don't know if you've seen this a guy called mark sexton i spoke to you about it didn't i mm. he went into a police station uh where he lived to make a criminal complaint uh, regarding his MP and the UK government to insist an immediate immediate uh, ceasing of the vaccine programme. Uh, he had this yellow card data. He had all of this data. That he spent 45 minutes, he recorded a video of himself, giving this information across to a PC uh, at this police station. Now what, obviously, it's all gumpf. And we can yeah. we can disprove it. He a lot of the the stuff. Mr. Sensible's done a cracking job dissecting this PDF because he said he'd found a report from Slovakia regarding the PCR tests and how they're leaving stuff in people and people are dying from PCR. 
So Mr. Sensible found this PDF uh, and he's basically ripped it apart. The whole thing leads back to a website where, would you believe it, Flat Earth is on it. So, and and a lot of his, a lot of this guy's uh, stuff he's doing is off the back of this this report. Um, The problem I have with it, he's got 15,000 followers on Facebook. And he he makes a post and there's everyone's patting him on the back. It's not good. Well, you, I mean, who else have we seen like that? Peter Ebden. Oh yeah, yeah. That saw that him. today, didn't we? <laughs> he actually said <laughs> psyop, didn't he? <laughs> he did. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, he and he retweets a lot of these people. Yeah. That when you actually look at these people, are the likes of flat earthers. You know, the people he retweets, I'll have a look at the posts they've mentioned, and it's absolute garbage. It's, but it's a typical sort of mindset that we've become used to. They are convinced of, you know, that this is is some sort of psyop or it's fake or whatever. Yeah. And that's it. Now they're convinced. If somebody else has done some homework for them, you know, they, they don't. They, they're only too quick to shout it out and pat them on the back for it, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're not going to sit and analyze it and it's very very check it. very very dangerous when people have a following like that and they're, and they're spreading this sort of stuff. So I think it is mm. important that we can. We try and do as much as we can on this. Um, I know you do it. You you have your your little squabbles on Twitter with people, don't you? About that sort of stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I do try. I do try and and, uh, and get some people to engage every now yeah. and then because I think it'll make a good video. Yeah, um, but I, I want Peter Ebden to get back to me again because it oh, was we got a nice chat last yeah. time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, uh, we we should get we should try and get him on, shouldn't we? That would be cracking if we get Peter Ebden on. Oh. Be super. I'll ask my sister. She still talks to all the snooker players. She used to like. She used to go to every single tournament. Oh right. It's about ten years ago now. But she used to follow them all every single tournament. Uh, drink with them in the hotel and stuff like that. I'll see if she can get hold of Peter Ebden because she'll know. She, one of her Steve Maguire. She's quite good friends with Steve Maguire. Um, and who was the other one that won the world title? Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. He's, he's uh, a nice guy. Yeah. Like yeah. So I'll see if uh, I'll see if she could, she's still got the contact. She might not because it was a long time ago. But yeah, we'll see if we can do it. Right. Thank you, mate. Thanks for that. Really good. Really good chat. Um, hopefully we'll get this out and and hopefully we can uh, just put put people's minds at ease. Uh, really, I think that was the main goal of today. Yeah, I think so. And it is important. And like you said before, it is understandable for even totally normal non-conspiratorial people to have that question oh how they managed to do that so quick yeah. is it going to be you know it's, it's a perfectly normal question to have yeah absolutely okay thanks mate next week we've got uh conspiracy debunking king mick west um so we'll chat to him he's done a lot of stuff on those american ufos recently so we can uh we can talk mm. to him about that that'd be quite interesting but other than that we're done thank you so much for listening uh we'll see you next week have a great week take care of yourselves bye-bye Bye-bye.